Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Happy New Year from Tax Notes. While 2017 was notable for its landmark tax legislation, 2018 was the year of the tax regulations. So to start off 2019, we're going to do a review of where we are and where we're headed in tax legislation and guidance. We'll be joined a little later by Tax Notes Today senior legal reporter Stephanie Cummings and by Worldwide Tax Daily senior legal reporter Andrew Velarde. But right now we're going to turn to tax analyst chief content officer Jeremy Scott for a review of tax legislation. Jeremy, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here. So after a a very eventful 2017 with the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, 2018 seemed relatively quiet. What sort of legislation did we see in 2018? We didn't see much legislation in 2018. After passing the TCGAA, Republicans kind of couldn't get it together to push too much through. There was a lot of talk of technical corrections. There was a lot of talk of a second tax package, but it didn't move very far. Very early in the year, they compromised with Democrats over some spending issues and got a fix to the infamous grain glitch through. But that was the largest legislative fix to the TCGAA we saw this year. Most of the action on tax was obviously on the administration front guidance, regulations, notices, particularly at the beginning of the year and at the end. But legislative efforts kind of fizzled. There was Chairman Brady had a 2.0 package that he talked a lot about during the summer, and then Republicans tried to make a campaign issue out of a second round of tax cuts. But we didn't really get that much in way of text before the election. And then after the election, he dropped a massive package in the lame duck session that made zero progress. The Senate had no interest in it. They, they ultimately took out extenders from the package and then put it back in front of the House in order to get it through, and the Senate didn't even look at it. So 2018 was a legislative disappointment, kind of more so because it was the last year of unified government. Republicans continued to control the Senate, House, and the presidency during 2018, and now they will not have the advantage of having control over the House. So without unified government, you may see less legislative activity next year, but I doubt it'll be as inactive as 2018, even with unified government, because it just seemed like legislative efforts on the tax side were spent. Just not much happened. All right. So so let's turn to look ahead at 2019. Uh, What sort of legislative priorities are out there? So both parties have different legislative priorities, and now they each have control of one chamber of Congress. Republicans kept the Senate in the midterm elections. They actually expanded their majority, which is going to mean a lot in terms of judicial and executive department appointments, not as much on the tax side. Democrats took control of the House. They actually took control of it by a pretty significant margin, and they're obviously going to bring their own priorities. Democrats, I think, are going to tout changing the TCGA in ways that are unacceptable to Republicans. I think you may hear a little bit of talk of trading corporate rate increases for maybe middle-class tax cuts or maybe the type of low-income tax relief that Democrats talk about, but you might not hear that much from the House because they may be more focused on other priorities that the Democrats made a bigger deal of when they ran during the midterm elections. On the Senate side, that you have heard talk of a compromise retirement bill. There could be some action on retirement this year. Senator Cardin and Senator Portman have a bill. Senator Hatch and Senator Wyden had a bill in the previous Congress, all of which would have simply tweaked retirement incentives. There's a 
little bit of bipartisan support for things like savers credits, a little bit of support for government matching of 401k and other investments by low-income people, a little bit of support for kind of simplifying some of the credits for retirement, maybe looking at ways to generate some pay-fors. But I don't know how much appetite there's going to be on the House side to take up these measures. With a fully Democratic House, with the Democrats positioning themselves for 2020, this might not be the best year for a bipartisan package, even in areas where you see agreement like retirement. Senator Cardin spent a lot of the last week talking about how there might be some grounds for compromise on health care issues. They will have to talk about whether to continue to postpone the Cadillac tax, what to do with the medical device tax. Not going to see anything on ACA repeal, obviously, with a Democratic House, but you could see continued tweaks to the taxes that paid for the ACA. The medical device tax and the Cadillac tax on insurance plans obviously are very unpopular in both parties. The question is, can they come up with money to pay for these tax repeals? Probably not. Um, If the Democrats are insistent on having them paid for, I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement on them, but there might be. Those are the kinds of things you're most likely to see talk about as larger tax packages. You will continue to hear Republicans talk about technical corrections to the TCJA, and you'll continue to hear Democrats say they are not open to those. They would prefer to revisit the entire package rather than tweaking it to make it work better. So I don't know if we'll see technical corrections. If we did see it, it would be probably part of some type of a compromise in an appropriations bill. So we're, we're not looking for any, I, I guess you're not expecting to see any kind of major tax legislation. Will we, should we expect little bits and pieces here and there combined with other legislation throughout the year? That's assuming any legislation passes at all. Uh, in a divided government, sometimes you don't get anything other than CRs. And I, we don't know how the government shutdown is going to resolve itself if they keep doing short-term CRs on the remaining funding bills. That could be basically all the legislative activity you see the entire year. And that would not give you a great opportunity to pass legislation that could have tax riders, that could have a technical correction or two in it, that could have a retirement component. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a year where there are a lot of legislative vehicles to move tax legislation. I think the main action you're going to see in 2019 is the same thing you saw in 2018. Pay attention to the IRS, pay attention to Treasury, look at how they can fix some of the TCJ's problems interpretively rather than legislatively. All right. That sounds like good advice. Jeremy, thank you for coming back. Thank you. Joining me now in the studio are Tax Notes Today senior legal reporter Stephanie Cummings and Worldwide Tax Daily senior legal reporter Andrew Velarde. Stephanie, Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having us. Good to be here, Dave. So we're going to talk about guidance that we've received and that we're waiting on. So let's start with where things stand now. 2018 was a very busy year for guidance. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act produced a a lot of need for additional guidance. So uh, what have we gotten up to this point? Um, So on the domestic side, we got all kinds of proposed regs on some of the the biggest issues in TCGA. We got um, proposed 199A regs, proposed 163J and 168K regs. And I'll talk about those in detail a little more later. But we also got a few things right at the year end. December 31st, we got a notice on Section 4960, which I was excited about because that's something <laughs> I cover frequently. We also got a rev proc on, on December 28th on um, charitable contributions in exchange for SALT credits. 
And we also got some non-TCGA regs at the end of the year on the um, partnership audit regime and on private activity bonds. People were a little surprised to see that. But notably, at the end of the year, we did not get a second set of proposed regulations on the Opportunity Zone program, which is something we were on the lookout for. And we also didn't get final regulations on Section 199A on the the pass-through deduction. So that was pretty surprising. People were expecting those to maybe come out by the year end. Was that something affected by the shutdown? It's not clear. So basically, um, with the 199A regs, we got the proposed regs, I think in August, a little earlier this year, and officials were saying that the goal was to get the final regs out by the end of the year. And basically, the proposed regs say that dash one through dash six of those proposed regs, and I'm going to read directly from the proposed regs here, they're proposed to apply to taxable years ending after the date of publication of a Treasury decision adopting these rules as final regulations in the Federal Register. And David Kirk of EY, who was formerly at IRS Chief Counsel, recently said this means that if the final 199A rules were delayed into January or just into next year, then they wouldn't apply to the 2018 tax year. So it's this issue of like whether or not they're going to be applicable to 2018, which is why people were expecting to see them by the end of 2018, but we haven't. So we're still waiting. Um, and then a couple of issues to look for in those those final regs, issues related to passive rental real estate income and the aggregation rules. Those are sort of the hot topics there. I will note that those rules are at the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs right now under review. They've been there since December 13th. There's an expedited review process for regulations related to the TCJA, but that would have ended on December 27th. They still haven't come out, so still in wait-and-see mode with those. We're also um, waiting on an additional set of proposed regulations under 199A, and those are also currently under review and have been since December 13th, but we still haven't seen them yet. And those are related to um, real estate investment trusts, dividends through regulated investment companies. And like I said, the the Opportunity Zone program regulations, we were supposed to get a second set of those by the year's end. But David Cotter, Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy, said recently that those are also being pushed into January. We got a first set of proposed regs back in October. Those answered a lot of sort of initial questions about how to set up these qualified opportunity funds under the program. But the second set of regulations is supposed to address the operations of the funds themselves. Just still a lot of outstanding questions about this program. So the first set of proposed regs that we got on the Opportunity Zone program, we're expecting those to be finalized this year. There's a hearing scheduled for those on January 10th. So a lot of issues still outstanding with those. Gotten a lot of comment letters so far. Some issues with the basis increases that happen at the 5- and 10-year points. But basically, this is a totally new regime. People have a lot of questions. And there's a lot of questions related to timing rules. And so there's been a lot of angst about getting these regulations out quickly because people want to participate in the program, but they don't know exactly how to do it. Um, Another big thing we're expecting to see this year is final regs on Section 163J on the business interest deduction limitations. The proposed regs came out November 26th. We've got a hearing scheduled for February 27th with a potential second day for that hearing. So it sounds like they're anticipating that could be a little contentious. Biggest issues with those is sort of the expansive definition of interest the proposed regs took on. But there have been some questions about whether the IRS had the authority to define interest that broadly. Um, They also reserved a lot of issues, including an issue related to tiered partnerships. So that might come up in the final regs. But um, we're not expecting those eminently because the hearing is not until February. Okay. Andrew, how about we turn to you now? Um, And so where do things stand on the international regulations as we close out the books on 2018? 
Well, Treasury and the IRS had set a pretty lofty goal for themselves and the amount of guidance they wanted to get out in 2018. And I'd say they did an admirable job in reaching that goal in many circumstances, not everything. They wanted to get out proposed regs for a lot of the key pieces of guidance under the TCJA that were really changes to the international regime. The Global Intangible Low Tax Income Provision, GILTI, they, they got proposed regs out on that in the fall. Just within the, the last several weeks, guidance had came out on the foreign tax credit regime. After that, there was guidance on the base erosion and anti-abuse tax, uh, which dropped in the middle of December. Following that, they were not done yet. They've released rules on, proposed rules on hybrid transactions, limitations on taking deductions in hybrid transactions. There's still quite a bit to come. We have the most immediate need is probably for the Section 965 transition tax. We need to get final rules on that. Proposed rules came out in August of 2018. They are set to be released imminently, it appears. They are at OIRA currently and have been for a while. The Treasury and IRS has set a goal and consistently saying they wanted to get that released by the end of 2018. We did not get it. So we're expecting it soon, very soon. There are some hot-button issues here with how the proposed regs provided guidance on uh, disregarding changes of accounting method and entity classifications, even if there was not a principal purpose of tax avoidance. This has riled up some practitioners. Uh, practitioners also clamoring for exceptions from the definition of cash, uh, especially important given that cash and cash equivalents are taxed differently than non-cash assets in the transition tax. And there's also been several asks for more flexibility in making basis adjustment elections. That's probably one of the first things we're set to get. Also on the near-term horizon would be proposed regs on Section 250 deduction. That would be relevant to the foreign-derived and tangible income provision and the, and the guilty as well. That is also at ORIRA. We know that it will address how it affects individuals. So that'll be an important question that will be answered, but we don't know how that will be answered. All right. So we've got a number of things that are still under review at OIRA. What other guidance are we expecting that that isn't there yet that's coming down the pike in the future? Well, all of those projects that I told you, they released the proposed regs on the important stuff that was really true change, a true sea change in the international tax regime. Those need to be finalized. And we're expecting those to be finalized in the coming months, not immediately, but in the near future. Guilty is one of the most important provisions for many taxpayers. It's affecting a lot of taxpayers out there. And there's a lot of concern from the proposed regs over the breadth of the anti-abuse rules, especially the pro rata share anti-abuse rule, which would disregard transactions done with a principal purpose of tax avoidance. Taxpayers are concerned this could possibly catch much older transactions that were not even contemplating guilty because guilty didn't even exist yet. But there's nothing in the proposed rules that would specifically exempt this. Taxpayers are hoping for more clarity when it comes to that, maybe possibly less of a reach on that provision. The foreign tax credit proposed regs will need to be finalized as well. There was a lot of complexity in those proposed regs, but not much of that was unexpected. Taxpayers had been hoping for an exception to allow them to avoid the allocation of expenses to the guilty basket. That didn't come, but that was not surprising. Treasury and IRS have indicated they've run into authority issues there, so 
they really, taxpayers really shouldn't count on that finding its way into final regs. And there's also the, the BEAT, the Base Erosion Anti-Abuse Tax. Proposed regs there gave taxpayers a big break on the services cost method, namely that a markup wouldn't make a whole payment a base erosion payment, just the markup portion would be. Taxpayers have also been hoping for some breaks when it comes to netting between inbound and outbound payments. That did not come in the proposed regs. The biggest issues that taxpayers have with the beat are derived from probably issues within the statute itself. So it's likely not going to be fixed when the regs are finalized. Maybe the most notable example of this is the fact that foreign tax credits are not allowed under the beat. Taxpayers shouldn't hold their breath for a regulatory correction on that. The key date to remember for all of these regs that need to be finalized is June 22nd. June 22nd because that would allow retroactivity for these rules back to the date of passage of the TCJA. There's under Section 7805, there is an exception to the general rules for retroactivity for a new law. If you can get it finalized within 18 months, that can be retroactive back that far. So there's also a few other pieces of guidance that have not been proposed yet. We have Section 245 Cap A. That's That guidance will be the nuts and bolts of how the participation exemption system works altogether. We, should, we expect that to be out soon, although that has not reached OIRA yet. And in the springtime sometime, we expect some guidance on previously taxed income, PTI, or as they're referring to it now, PTEP, previously taxed earnings and profits. I'll have to get used to that. That seems to be a change in terminology. We got a limited notice on the ordering rules of PTI. We expect more expansive proposed reg guidance to come out in the spring. Guidance on this issue was last attempted back in 2006. We have proposed regs. Those regs were never finalized. PTEP, PTI has become much more important lately because of the TCJA. We have huge amounts of it now because of the transition tax and going forward or because of guilty. So expect rules on that in the spring. Finally, uh, on my list of important issues here, we have downward attribution rules, proposed rules on that. The TCJA repealed Section 958B4. And its effect on constructive ownership means that there's going to be many more CFCs. A lot of taxpayers expect this effect was an unintended consequence of the TCJA. And taxpayers are clamoring for many exceptions to this. The government has admitted that this change is a difficult one to implement. And the proposed regs they're designing now are taking a survey of the existing code at large to see where they can make exceptions to the rules. Banks are also worried about the changes from the downward attribution rules to the reporting and withholding requirements. So a lot of big money at stake here as well. So that's a lot to keep an eye out for uh, in the international realm. Stephanie, what sort of guidance is on the horizon in the domestic realm? So on the immediate horizon, like I said, the biggest things are are Section 199A. There are final and proposed regs on that at OIRA right now, so those could come out any day. The second set of proposed opportunities and regulations, we're expecting that any day in January. Final ozone regs eventually from from the first set of proposed regs. And same thing with 163J. But other things we're expecting, eventually we're expecting some final regulations on 168K bonus depreciation. The proposed regs came out in August, and the hearing was already held in November. So those should be out sometime this year. We're also expecting to see some proposed regulations on the Section 451 book tax conformity rule, where basically um, certain taxpayers have to recognize income no later than the tax year in which it was booked. And we haven't seen a whole lot of guidance on that yet. There's also a lot of confusion surrounding the business loss limitation under Section 461L, and there's initial confusion that was sort of stirred up once the Blue Book came out. So it's possible. 
possible we'll see some proposed regs on that. That issue is listed on the unified agenda, but it's not on the priority guidance plan, so it's not really clear if we'll get anything definitive on that. Also in the exec comp realm, which I cover, we did get notices this year on Section 162M, and like I said, a notice right on December 31st on new Section 4960. Those both relate to executive compensation over a million dollars. We got some notices on those two provisions in 2018, so it's not totally clear if we'll get any proposed regulations on those two issues in 2019. And I would just say that 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 sort of speaks to a bigger issue that's going on here, which is it's kind of unclear what issues are going to get regulations and what issues are going to get some kind of sub-regulatory guidance. This year, we saw a lot of notices and other forms of guidance to kind of address pressing issues, but not necessarily regulations. It's sort of unclear to me if a notice is a way to buy even more time for you to issue proposed regs. That didn't necessarily play out with everything, but maybe for some issues, you will see notices instead of regulations. On the priority guidance plan, we see a lot of of issues that Treasury seems to say are addressed by a notice. But people obviously want more comprehensive guidance, so I don't know how satisfied they'll be with the sub-regulatory guidance. One more thing we're expecting this year that's not related to the TCGA is final rules on the partnership audit regime. More final rules. We've already gotten lots of final rules on that regime, but we're expecting those sometime this year. There's certainly a lot to keep track of in the coming year. We'll definitely have to have each of you back as this guidance comes out. Uh, Andrew, I know you're not on Twitter, but Stephanie, you are. Uh, Where can listeners find you online? I'm at S. Cummings Tax on Twitter, and that's Cummings with one M. Everybody uses two. It's just one. (laughs) All right. Uh, Andrew, Stephanie, thank you for being here. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. And now, coming attractions. Each week, we preview commentary that will be appearing in the next issue of the Tax Notes magazine. We're joined by executive editor for commentary, Jasper Smith. Jasper, what will you have for us? In Tax Notes, Stephen Nutz examines Section 199A and Subchapter K looking at qualified business income allocations among partners, while Mark Leeds discusses recently proposed base erosion and anti-abuse regulations and their effects on interest paid to related foreign entities and payments among branches. In state tax notes, Walter Hellerstein, John Swain, and Jonathan Madison discuss recent developments in sales and use tax reporting and collection obligations of marketplace platforms. And Clark Calhoun and Kathleen Cornett examine three Pennsylvania cases they argue should form a basis for how courts and taxpayers think of external consistency, economic nexus, and single sales factor apportionment. And in Tax Notes International, Bruce Zagaris examines recently proposed changes to Barbados' foreign business entities tax regime in light of financial and economic pressures on Caribbean jurisdictions by intergovernmental organizations. And practitioners from Chiomenti in Milan discuss Italy's high-net-worth individual tax regime and review issues that have arisen in its practice. You can read all that and a lot more in the January 7th editions of Tax Notes, State Tax Notes, and Tax Notes International. That's it for this week. You can follow me on Twitter at TaxStew, that's S-T-E-W. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com backslash products. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk.
Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.